The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. Have your Bibles or your apps, Genesis chapter 1. We're going to do Genesis 1, and then we're going to go to Ephesians 5 and 1 Peter 3, so you can bookmark stuff so you're devices, you'll find out where we are. Just a couple of quick announcements. Number one, if you're new to TBC, we do welcome you here. There's a visitor center to my right, to your left when you exit, and you'll find some folks that give you information about uh, how you might serve and how you might grow. Secondly, you notice a bunch of tables in the hallway. We invite various camps to come and join us on one day in the spring, and uh, it's an opportunity for you to expose your kids to camps, uh, have an opportunity to participate in the summer. Also, they're always looking for college students to serve, so uh, my college guys, if you're looking for something to do this summer, uh, stop at one of those things out there, one of the tables out there, and find out about the camps. And uh, you could all do me a favor, if you would, uh, if you just stop by the table and thank them for coming today. They've driven in from various places around Texas, and uh, take two minutes at each table and just thank them for being here at TBC this morning. Um, as we have continued to grow uh, our needs with kids, the, the la- not last week, but the three weeks prior to that, nursery through fourth grade only, we had ec- excess of 500 kids here. So it's nursery through fourth grade only, and we are delighted to have it. I'm going to talk about that this morning. And, uh, but it also creates some needs, especially in the preschool area. And so you've been on the receiving end for a long time. Great opportunity. Maybe some of our college students for the rest of the school year, or uh, maybe some of our adults, uh, not that you're not a adults, but our older people uh, can be part of that as well. Finally, uh, we, a couple of times a year, have a newcomer's brunch at our home. It's an opportunity for you to meet uh, uh, our family, uh, Bev and I, as well as the elders and staff. And uh, that's coming up on March 4th. And uh, we would like to give you, many of you got an invitation in the mail. We mail those out. If you're new in the last several months, have not received an invitation in the mail, if you'll raise your hands, we're going to get you one of these right now. So new in the last few months, hadn't been part of Newcomer's Brunch. We'd love to have you to meet staff and elders. Uh, we only ask you to do two things. One is RSVP, so we know how many to prepare for. And secondly, it is an adult-only event, but we do provide child care here at TBC. Uh, finally, in 1989, the wall came down that separated uh, America from the former Soviet Union. A- at that time, uh, there was an organization in Chicago that hooked churches in America up with churches in the former Soviet Union. We took potluck on that, and potluck was, uh, we wanted to have a sister church. We thought what that meant is we would send the pastor a library and uh, a TV VCR, we'd pay for that, and then maybe we'd exchange some emails, we didn't have email then, exchange some letters and stuff, and that has morphed into a ministry where we have numerous people who go back and forth to the Ukraine. Uh, the leaders in that church have become some of our dearest friends. How many of you have been to the Ukraine at some point in time to our sister church? A bunch of you out there. And uh, we have the privilege today traveling through town or Pavel Marchuk and his son, Sergei. So you guys stand up right here, the pastor of our sister church, Pavel Marchuk, his son, Sergei. Pavel, come on up here, Pavel. There you go. I told Pavel, uh, I'm not going to interview him this time. He's been with us many times, but I'm going to ask him to pray a prayer of blessing in his native tongue, Ukrainian, over TBC. So, brother, I love you. Always good to see you. And uh, we're going to have lunch today. I've just saw him this morning for the first time, just got in town. So uh, looking forward to that. You've been a delight to my heart. And uh, our relationship as a sister church is something we will never forget. And you have changed our hearts and lives, and we're grateful. Amen? Amen. Would you pray a prayer of blessing over TBC? Yes, sir. 
Бог всемогутній, ми поклоняємося Тобі, визначаємо Тебе. Тобі приносимо хвалу за те, що через Ісуса Христа ми можемо бачити, як Ти благословляєш різні народи. Тобі благословляються всі народи і український. І ми можемо бачити тут, в Сполучених Штатах, як Ти благословляєш, і ми як одне тіло можемо поклонятися Тобі. Радимося тому, що Ти дав нам цю співпрацю і просимо зараз милості та благословіння для Темпельської біблійної церкви. Ми просимо, щоб через служіння цієї церкви Твоє ім'я було відоме в цьому місці, у всій окрузі. Ми просимо, щоб через служіння цієї церкви слава була тільки Тобі. Ми молимося про те, щоб Ти благословляв керівників церкви, давав мудрість і силу. Ми просимо, щоб через служіння Темперської церкви зростали молоді люди і ставали сильними в тобі, щоб твоє ім'я було відомим до краю землі. Благослови церкву цю. В ім'я Ісуса Христа молимося. Амінь. Амінь. Дякую. Дякую. Bless you, brother. We love you. Thank you for being here. Sergey is a newlywed. He's only been married since uh, this past summer, and so it's really a delight to have you guys. Would you thank them once again for being here? These guys have impacted the lives of many of us. The crowning achievement of God and creation is creating mankind, Imago Dei, two Latin words meaning in his image. And what we said week after week is, as those who are made in the image of God, we are to resemble and reflect Christ, resemble and reflect and represent him. That's what we're here to do. Since all mankind is created in the Imago Dei, since all mankind is made in the image of God, we respect all life. We respect life in the womb. We respect the end of life. We respect all people regardless of gender, race, ethnicity, socioeconomic background, religious or cultural backgrounds. We respect all people, as we said, except for Aggies and Longhorns. Adam and Eve were in the garden. They were naked and they were unashamed. They were naked and they were unashamed. They, they were in harmony with God and harmony with one another, but something happened. The fall came. They sinned. But when they took of the forbidden fruit, sin entered the world, and we have these two pots up here to remind us that even though the image of God and man was shattered, it was not destroyed. This pot represents Gary DeSalvo. This pot represents each of you. The image of God in each of us was shattered, but it was not destroyed. These pots have been put back together because that's what Christ does in us. He puts us back together, so to speak. And so what we've done so far, we've looked at biblical manhood and biblical womanhood, and now we move into the mystery of marriage. Can you go to that slide for me, Jim? The mystery of marriage. We're going to look at the specifically, what does God say about marriage for the Imago Dei? We're made in the image of God. What does it mean to us in this relationship? What is this mystery of marriage that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 32? What is the mystery of marriage? How do we live this out? I need to start by saying this. The foundation for any marriage is Jesus. Otherwise, I'm just going to give you a bunch of self-helps, and that's not going to help. The, the foundation for any fruitful marriage, any fulfilling marriage, has Jesus as the foundation. 
Once we know Christ, once we have been redeemed, once we've received the grace that he offers, once we walk with him and our hearts are, tra- are transformed, we walk with him, then at that point in time, we have hope. At that point in time, we have peace. At that point in time, we can lay aside selfishness. At that point in time, we can begin to do what it is we are called to do in marriage, and that is to resemble the Imago Day. And so the mystery of marriage is what we're going to talk about this morning, focusing on four specifics from the scriptures. I'm going to pray one more time. Father, we're grateful for the table. We're grateful for our dear, dear friends who are with us today. And now we are grateful for the word. Would you allow me to speak truth? And would you touch us in deep places and help us to respond as a result of it? In Jesus' name, amen. The mystery of marriage. If you've been at TBC for a while, I've used these before. I I love them. It's uh, what kids think about love and marriage. So for some of you, it's a repeat. For some of you, it's brand new. How do you decide who to marry? No person really decides before they grow up who they're going to marry. God decides it all the way before, and you get to find out who you're stuck with later. That's how uh, Kristen H. 10 sees it. Um, and then uh, how do you decide who to marry? You got to find somebody who likes the same stuff. Like if you like sports, she should like it that you like sports, but she should keep the chips and dips coming. <laughs> That's a young man in training, right? Um, how, do you, how do people fall in how love behave? When a person gets kissed for the first time, they fall down and don't get up for at least an hour. <laughs> probably happen somewhere. Uh, when to fall in love. I'm not rushing to being in love. I'm finding fourth grade hard enough. I've got twin 10-year-old or grandsons that are fourth grade. They don't need to be in love. They need to get through fourth grade. Um, uh, how to fall in love. It isn't always just how you look. Look at me. I'm handsome like anything and I haven't got anybody to marry. There was a 10-year-old kid who said that. And uh, th- then this kid we've used before. Tell her, how do you t- talk to your wife? Tell her she looks pretty even if she looks like a truck. Ricky... <laughs> age 10. And then uh, this is a little eight-year-old girl, and she says, uh, don't tell somebody you love them and change your mind. Yeah. A lot of pain there, I bet. A lot of pain. The mystery of marriage. What's the mystery? What's it about? I mean, this thing that began as holy wedlock too often ends up in unholy dreadlock. Irma Bombeck said, I think marriage is great. Without it, we have to fight with strangers. I mean, how does that happen? How do we get there? There was a young girl, six years old, attending a wedding for the first time. As everybody entered, the bride was in, the groom was in. She leaned over and whispered to her mom, Mom, why is the bride dressed in white? The mom thought for a minute and she said, because white is the color of happiness and today is the happiest day of her life. Little girl thought for a few minutes, then she tugged on her mom and said, Mom, why is the groom dressed in black? What is the purpose of marriage? What is the mission of marriage? What's the mystery of marriage? What has God created marriage for? We enter this thing and sometimes we don't even know why. We fall in love, but what does God want? What what is the purpose of marriage? Why why should we be married if we are? And and what what does he expect from us and want from us in the midst of it? How can we be the Imago Dei in our marriages? That's the question before us this morning. The mission of marriage, the mission of marriage. I'm going to give you four things, and the first one is very obvious. The first mission of marriage is to populate the planet. I mean, the first mission of marriage is to populate the planet. 
I, I get that straight from the scriptures. Look at Genesis 1 with me. Genesis 1:27. and God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Facebook may have 51 or 71 gender types. When we look at the scriptures, we're talking about two. We're talking about male parts and female parts, and God created us that way. And so when he says that, he's saying we made them for a purpose. And the purpose that the God had made us, look at verse 28, not only in the image of God, but why the first command in the Bible, Genesis 1:28, is be fruitful and multiply. If you're writing your Bibles, underline that. The first command in the scriptures, be fruitful and multiply. One of the purposes, the missions of marriage is to populate the planet, to reproduce, to, to make sure that, that we have people replacing us, those little kiddos that God gives us. And so as we look at this, we recognize that you at TBC have done a great job with that. All you have to do is walk back in the nursery right now. I mean, they're everywhere and we're grateful for them. Uh, we have dedicated over 50 babies every year for about the last 25 years. And so some of you are dedicated as babies and now you're adults and you've taken that command quite literally and done quite well. Maybe your tribe continue to increase because that's what the command says. But that's not always the case. America right now has one of the lowest birth rates in the world. We're we're at 1.6 kids per married couple. So we're not even replacing ourselves. I did research on the birth rate this year. The nation with the current highest birth rate is India. India. Uh, the nation with the lowest birth rate in the industrialized world is Germany at 1.2. We as America at 1.6 or about 9 or 10. You can Google it up and take a look at it later. And when you don't replace yourself, there are a number of things that happen. There are economic factors. There are sociological factors. Or they'll say there's even psychological factors. And so what we find is we're a nation in decline population-wise because we are not replacing ourselves. And wherever you fall on the immigration argument, one of the ways that we have maintained our population is through immigration, not through natural birth. And so what we see is we as a nation are struggling in this area. In fact, I Googled up and read an article this past week. It's called Nine Brutal Reasons Why We as Millennials Refuse to Have Kids. So there's a whole new group coming along, our millennials. Most of you guys are millennials, and, uh, it, but a number of millennials are choosing not to have kiddos. Now, when I speak about this, I'm not speaking to those that cannot have children. I'm speaking to those that can but choose not to. I'll address the other in a second. So they gave nine reasons. Here are just a few of them. Uh, the world's in chaos, and we want to bring kids into a chaotic world. And so we choose not to have kids. We can't afford kids and do what we want to do. Do you hear that statement? We can't afford kids and do what we want to do. I would call that selfishness and narcissism. Which is interesting, because the third reason is people have kids for selfish reasons. Do you hear what they're saying? I mean, they're saying, hey, we don't want to have kids because we want to do what we want to do, but people do have kids and we don't want them because people have kids for the wrong reasons, selfish reasons. They want to play baseball through them. They want to dress them like dolls, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, the other one, we had bad parents. We don't want to be bad parents. And uh, the final one was in this article I read, we don't need a reason. We just don't want them. That's it. Now, not all millennials are that way. We've got uh, millennials here with house full of kids, and we're grateful for them and grateful for what God is doing through you. But uh, the reality is the birth rate is declining even further in your generation. Part of it is that you're getting married later. The average age in America to get married right now is 28. It used to be, you know, years ago it was 20, then it bumped up to 22. When we got married, we were way too young. We're 21 when we got married. Uh, we'd never let our kids get married at that age, but uh, that's a little different. We were way more mature than they were, right? <laughs> 
So God has given us this instruction. Now, when I speak on this topic, I also know it's a painful topic because there are those here who would love to be fruitful, multiply, but for whatever reason, can't. They can't. Either they're single, never been married, they're, they're seeking purity, or they're married, and for whatever reason, they're dealing with infertility issues. Our daughter uh, had problems getting pregnant for a number of years, battled with infertility issues, so we know the pain of that. We experience that with her. We know what it was like to go through a miscarriage. She finally got pregnant and then miscarried. And we knew the pain of that monthly visit that, uh, that she had, that it, it just sent her into a tizzy. We know what it was like where she couldn't come here on Mother's Day and she couldn't go to some of her friend's baby showers. So we hurt with those of you that desire to be fruitful and multiply, but for whatever reason, you cannot. And so we're not talking about that. We're talking about those that can but won't. And the reality of it, you're disobeying a command of God. God's command is pretty clear. So why does God want us to populate the planet? He goes forth and he says, or he, he goes further and says it in this verse, fill the earth, this is 128 in Genesis, subdue it and rule over it. And so the, one of the reasons we populate the planet is so that we can have dominion over and rule over that which has God has set us to do. Well, there's work to be done and we're not to do it alone. Not to do it alone. Uh, believing families, I think we should have kids, many kids we possibly can, because we want to invade our culture. We want to impact our culture. We need, we need families that are impacting the schools, family impacting neighborhoods, family impacting athletic teams, academic teams. We need families who love Christ, know Christ, walk with Christ, redeeming the culture we live in. That's every one of us. And so God says, be fruitful and multiply. By the way, if you're battling infertility, we have a Wednesday night group for ladies struggling with that particular issue, and they meet week after week after week. One of the greatest joys in the world is having kids. Having kids uh, changed me spiritually. Three ways. One, I learned a heavenly father by being an earthly father than anything else. I learned more about the heavenly father by being an earthly father than anything else in my life. Secondly, it taught me how selfish I was and the type of servant I needed to be. When our kids came along, I mean, it was just Bev and I up until then. And then we got Sarah, who came with no instructions. I mean, she just came. And uh, I mean, we had the scripture and we both had models, but the reality is we're sent home with a baby and, and as Dobson says, she was a scream on one end and a mess on the other. I mean, that's what she was. She, she could do nothing for herself. We didn't put her in a high chair, throw a T-bone steak and say, go for it. I mean, we learned how selfish we were and the servants we had to be, especially, I mean, Bev had to serve her more. She was a nursing mom. I couldn't do much good there. And so, man, the reality became she's responsible. I'm coming alongside. And we learned how to serve and learned how selfish we really were. The third thing it taught me was about unconditional love. The moment that baby comes, you'll do anything in the world for him. Anything. The reason why you have a second, third, and fourth baby after all that pain is because of the love. And so for me personally, having kiddos, our two kids, taught me more about the Heavenly Father, taught me about selfishness and servanthood, and taught me about unconditional love than anything I know. The problem is we live in a narcissistic culture and everything is about us. And so we forget that children are a gift. Psalm 127, children are a what? Gift of the Lord. And like arrows in the hands of a warrior, and it talks about the quiver being full of them. And I'm afraid in our culture, our day, uh, we forget the great gift that those kids were. Now, if you were up all night with a two-year-old, you're saying, Gary, me, and I don't feel like they're a gift right now. Or if you waited up real late, and that teenager was late, and you wasn't texting back or calling, you're thinking, Gary, I wanted to kill him last night. Gary, I understand why some, some, some animals eat their young. I understand that. <laughs> 
I just want to remind you that kids are a great gift. And if you allow the Spirit of God to work in your life, they can sharpen you and change you. Father's Day about three years ago, I showed this video. It's just a great reminder. It's a funny reminder that children are a great gift given to us. Watch it. I love my life. I love it. And I had an epiphany, a moment where it just all came together. This past summer, we were coming back from vacation. Ten minutes, packed up, and we're going ten minutes. Come to a red light. As I'm at the red light, I look out the window. There's a brand new pickup truck right next to me. I'm like, oh. And then I look in the back. There's a beautiful golden retriever with a head out the window. I'm like, oh, cool dog. And in the back, brand new Harley Davidson chrome package. The guy looked over. I'm just like, oh, because that's what we do. And he looked over at me and he kind of back and kind of laughed. And I was like, what is he laughing at? And then it dawned on me, I'm in a minivan. It is impossible to look cool in a minivan. And I'm not buying really cool toys for thousands of dollars. I'm spending hundreds of dollars on things you don't call your friends about. I don't go, hey, Rob, come over. I've got a new water heater. No, we'll wash our hands. That'll be great. You don't do that. And I'm just so I started to distract myself. I kind of fiddled with the mirror and I saw, I saw something I have never seen before in my life. On the top of my ear, there is a hair growing straight out. It's like this long. That's not the bad part. I looked at my wife. I said, Heather, look at this. Her response. Oh, yeah, I saw that the other day. What? You thought I wanted that there? Braid it with the others, make a little ponytail or something? That was interrupted by my two boys in the back fighting over who gets to pick the movie and who gets the electronic Ridlin. And that was interrupted by them going, Daddy, Kennedy smells bad. And sure enough, the smell waves forward, and I'm thinking, 10 minutes. We've been on the road 10 minutes. Why not 10 minutes ago? Why not 10 minutes from now? And if you are a dad, you know what I was doing. I'm calculating how far can I go, focused, without having to stop before the smell burns my eyes shut. interrupted by my dog discovering the other dog and begin to barking at that dog. I call him a dog. I wanted a dog. My wife said, let's get a dog. And I'm like, yeah. I'm thinking German Shepherd Golden Dude. We have a 12-year-old, four-and-a-half-pound Yorkshire Terrier. It's like having a barking hamster. The only thing dog size on my dog is his tongue. He has a, if you took a German Shepherd tongue, grafted it to a gerbil, that's what I've got. <laughs> he falls asleep, the drool spot is bigger than he is. <laughs> and the light turned green and we began to go. And as we drove off, it was as if this voice came to my head, Ken, if you could switch right now, if you could choose, if you could choose right now, you could choose the new truck and the new dog and the cool motorcycle, or you can keep the minivan and the wife that leaves you hanging and the kids in the back of the smell of the barking hamster. <laughs> Which do you want? I got to tell you, 10 times out of 10, I would choose the minivan because I have found more joy and more purpose and more fulfillment and more comedy material in the <laughs> minivan. 
That is why the greatest joy of my life and what I do is because I am a dad. God bless you and thank you for coming tonight. You know, sometimes it's hard, isn't it? Sometimes you, you forget the great gift that they are, but I love that because he concludes it and says, you know what? I trade it all to continue to be a dad. Hey, those, those kids are a gift. God gave us uh, the mission to procreate so that we could replenish the planet and so we could be fruitful, multiply, subdue, have dominion over. But the reality is he also gave it to enjoy and to change us and to sharpen us. Secondly, he, he, the mission of marriage is to provide companionship. We spent a whole sermon looking at that. If you want to listen to it, you go back online. That's a sermon we talked about. Uh, God said, it's good, it's good. Then he looked at him and said, it's not good. And then he prays the animals. Then Adam wakes up. There's a naked woman lying next to him. He goes, wow, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. That's when I did the whole Rocky thing. And so it's all online. You can go there and look at it. I don't want to spend any more time on that. Here's what I do want to say, though. The divine design in marriage. Sometimes it goes askew because of the fall. The divine design in marriage. The mission of marriage is for companionship. Solomon writes this in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. He says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there's not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So it's this cord of three strands wrapped together. It's the husband, the wife, and God. And that cord of three strands woven together is difficult to pull apart. And when God is a sinner at it, it stays together when we submit ourselves to him. And so we recognize that. Now to my singles out there, here's what I would say. One of the reasons we talk about community over and over and over and over again at TBC and implore you to get into smaller groups and be part of a community is so you can have relationships where you are bound together. As, as, as men and as women. And so that's what happens in marriage. This is what God wants for us. The problem is the divine design is broken. And when it's broken, we recognize we struggle. There's great joy in Christ-centered marriages. It's a reminder to us that when Christ is bound up in us, when we are wound up in him, that, then it's not something that is to be broken. It's something that he gives to us and something we are to keep together. So the mission of marriage, number one, to populate the planet. Number two, to provide compassion. Companionship. Number three, to, be, to picture Christ to the world. This is the most important thing, perhaps. To picture Christ to the world. So where do you get that? In the book of Ephesians, it's all about, uh, the book of Ephesians, one of the themes of the book of Ephesians is oneness, oneness between the Jew and Gentile. It says, he himself, that is Christ, is our peace, who made both groups, the Jew and Gentile, into one. And then it talks about us being one body, Ephesians chapter 4. There's one body, one spirit, uh, just as there's one hope of calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. And so the, the message of Ephesians over and over is a call to oneness. And, and so when it talks talks about marriage. Of course, he's going to quote the verse out of Genesis 2, 20, 10 to Genesis 2, verse 24, that talks about oneness in marriage, where it says, uh, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become what? One. There's the oneness aspect. So he goes on though in verse 32, and he verse 32, and says, this mystery is great. What mystery is great? 
A mystery is a technical word, something that's not been revealed. Well, marriage has been revealed all the way back in Genesis. So what's the great mystery? What is the mystery? The mystery is Christ in the church. The mystery is now we can have union with Christ. The mystery is not marriage. The mystery is that our marriage is a picture of what Christ has done in us. That the mystery is now man creating the image of God, man fallen, can be redeemed and restored to Christ. And our marriages are to be a picture of what that looks like. So when we as husbands and wives love one another, we resemble and represent the Imago Dei and the bride of Christ because we look like Jesus. And when we are caring to one another and loving to one another and unconditionally submit to one another and all the things that make marriage the way it should be, we are representing Christ and we are a picture to the watching world of what it should look like. In fact, at the wedding feast, it says this, this is Revelation chapter 19, let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him for the marriage of the lamb has come. His bride has been, has been made herself ready. We are the bride of Christ. We sang a song in worship sometimes. It's a current praise song. We are the bride waiting for our groom. Yeah, you remember that song? Come, Lord Jesus, come. It's a song we sing. We are the bride of Christ prepared. Now, Paul uses that analogy. Isaiah uses that analogy. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10. Take a look at it later. It says, I will rejoice in the Lord. My soul will exalt in my God. He has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with robes of righteousness. You're not saved from something only. You're also saved to something. You're saved from sin, but you're also saved to live out the righteousness that you're clothed with in Christ. And then he says, we are like a bridegroom decked out with garland and like a bride adoring herself with her jewels. And so what Isaiah is saying is, those that follow after God. And what Paul's saying is the bride and all of her beauty on her wedding day and brides are beautiful on their wedding day. You look at these brides up here. I mean, they're absolutely beautiful. He says, that's you. I am preparing you for your groom. The re- one of the reasons we're on this planet is to be prepared for what lies ahead. We are being prepared for the, to be the bride of Christ. We're being prepared for our groom and our marriages are to reflect and resemble the Imago Dei when we are loving, kind, compassionate, submissive, unconditionally loving, you fill in that blank. We look like Jesus. We represent Jesus. And the world sees this great mystery. The mystery is our union with Christ. Our marriage, our union with one another represents and resembles that when we walk that way. And if we don't, we tarnish the reputation of Christ. And when we're unloving and unforgiving and angry and bitter, and when we're unfaithful, we tarnish the reputation of Jesus. And the world looks and says, whatever they have, I don't want. And that's not a union I want to be a part of. But when we are loving and kind and caring and compassionate and love unconditionally and submit, what we recognize is we're a picture of Christ. I went back to my computer. I've done over 250 weddings. It's a lot of weddings. I love weddings. I love doing weddings and funerals. It's a great opportunity to be with families, a great opportunity to preach the gospel. And you know, I've done all these weddings. We need to turn some air on. The air has stopped. Um, I've got five minutes and I'm hot. So thank you, Bill. Bill's going to do that. Um, 
So I've done all these weddings, and here's how it happens. We, we put some steps here. We take this table's not here. Obviously, there's some steps here. And so all the grooms can come in. They're here. Then the bridesmen, bridesmaids walk up, and they're over here. You've got the bride's family sitting over here. You've got the groom's family sitting over here. And then you've got this dude standing up here. And then there's that magic moment. After all the bridesmaids come, those doors close. I'm usually right here on these steps. Pam is over here on the piano. And I've seen this hundreds of times. All of a sudden, she hits the bridal chorus. Those back doors pop open. You know what that guy does? He turns around and talks to the dudes. He looks at me and says, hey, Pastor Gary, what do you think? I've done over 250 weddings. That hadn't happened once. You know what happens? That guy, I, I can't tell you how many dozens of times that guy sees that gal coming through that door and all of them utter the same word. You know what it is? Wow. Wow. And then, I, I can't tell you the number of guys, I carry a hanky with me to every wedding. Not for the bride, but for the groom. <laughs> that dude is a heap down here. I mean, he just, he just tears up, and he's got tears coming to his eyes, and I, I remember my day, September 4th, 1976, the BSU camp, the BSU on the LSU campus. Man, when those doors swung open, my heart began to beat out of my chest. And I thought, she's mine. She's mine. And I could care less who else was in that building. And I had eyes for one person, one person only. When she walked down that aisle, her dad was a different kind of dude. And uh, they, he said, who gives you away? And he was supposed to say... Uh, her mother and I, and he said, I do, the father. <laughs> and his first words to me when we walked out, we walked in a little ante room back there, and he was a little, little smart, uh, short guy, and he looked at me, and he said, we wrote our own vows. He said, I don't know about those vows. I don't know where you got that stuff from, but I want you to know if you don't take care of my daughter, I'm going to take care of you. <laughs> Welcome to the family. But, but here's the reality, man. When Bev hit that back door 40 years ago this past September, my heart beat out of my chest. That was my bride. My bride. I hope you tear up after 40 years of marriage. Um, it's a great day. You know, I've been married 40 years. I'm not supposed to be a mess up here like this. <laughs> But, but, but it's, it's, it's a great gift. It's a great gift. Our union in Christ is a picture of our, our union. Marriage is a picture of our union in Christ. By the way, that's why we don't put asunder what God joins together. It's a picture of unity. Well, we don't put it asunder. Now, some of you have been through divorces. You didn't want it. You were the victim, and, and we pray for you. Some of you went through divorces where it was, a, it was not a biblical divorce. You were not in the... Maybe you were the adulterer. Maybe you were the one who deserted. Maybe you were the one who was guilty of a non-biblical divorce. It wasn't for adultery and desertion. I, I would encourage you to pursue reconciliation and confession before God and with that former spouse and with those kids. Now, if you're remarried, it doesn't mean you break up a second marriage and go back after the first marriage, but it does mean you need to be right before God. Call it what it is. If it was sinful, it was wrong, and be right before God and right before others. And uh, singles... You've heard me say up here a hundred times, if there's anything worse than being single and wanting to be married, it's being what? Married, married and wanting to be single. Okay, be careful who you pick as a mate. Uh, remember, marriage is the number one cause of divorce. <laughs> I mean, really, 100% of all divorces started with a marriage, every one of them. 
And uh, that's why you've got to come before you. Don't come here and say, you know, Pastor Gray, I think, he, I think he's a good guy. I think he, that's not good enough. Are you walking with Christ and he's walking with Christ? Here's what I'd like to do. If you've been married uh, 20 years or more, would you stand up? 20 years or more, stand up. Look at this. Wow. There we go. Thirty years or more, keep standing. You've been married thirty years or more, keep standing. Wow, there we go. Look at that. Forty years or more. You've been married at least forty years, keep standing. At least forty years. Look at that. Fifty years or more. You may have been married fifty years or more. Look at that. Wow, a bunch of them. That means two things. It means you have been faithful. It means you're old is what it means. So, yeah, Wait, hey, don't, don't sit down. You got anybody married 60 years or more out there? 60 years or more. Wow. Flanagan's how many years? 64? Wow. That's cool. Well, keep standing. Look at that lady. She'd been married. She was 10 years old when she got married. You could have gone to jail, Jim. I'm telling you right there. Okay, y'all sit down. Thank you. Uh, you know, praise God for that. And the final thing is uh, we are made and the, the, we, the mission of marriage is not only to populate our planet, not only to provide companionship, not only to be a picture of Christ in the church, but also it, it's to make us Christ-like, to make us Christ-like. Uh, everybody in here, if you're a married man, you, you know how you've been changed. In 1 Peter chapter 3, it says, uh, Wives, not through your words and not, not through your wardrobe, but through your, the imperishable qualities of your heart, your gentle and quiet spirit, that's how you will impact your husband. And for men, it says in 1 Peter 3, 7, we're to live with our wives in an understanding way. I'm going to have a PhD in Bevology. I'm supposed to know that woman inside and out. The problem is, in our culture, we are so narcissistic and so self-focused. I went to get Bev, don't pop that up yet, Jim. I went to get Bev a Valentine's card like every good man should have done a week ago, right? And uh, when I, the first one I picked out, I read it and thought, that's pretty cool. Then I read it again and thought, that's the most selfish card I've ever read in my life. It, well, here it is right here. I bought it so I could show you for an illustration. My soulmate, my Valentine, when I am with you, I am home. For home is a place where the best memories are made, where I can be me and know I am loved. Your love has allowed me to see the best parts of myself because there's a constancy I have come to rely on. Thank you for our special time together for making all my dreams come true. You are my perfect match. I love you. Any of you guys buy that for your wife? Are you sinking in your seat, Tim? We, one of my elders just sunk in the seat. We're just some counseling after this. That's all about the dude. He sent that to his wife and said, you are the one who made me happy. You're the one who made me special. You're the one who gave me special times. That's our world today. Right there. It's all about me. And you know, when I look at Jesus, it was all about others. When I look at marriage, it should be all about that spouse God's given you. Because when we do that, we resemble and we represent the Imago Dei. See, is marriage about our happiness or about our holiness? Which is it? Let's conclude with this final video, then we'll go home.
I promise to love, honor, and respect you. I promise to love, cherish, and protect you. From this day forward. Till death do us part. I remember our wedding day. It was awesome. I mean, my dress was gorgeous and all of the flowers were so beautiful. And there was this moment right before I walked down the aisle and I remember looking up to God and just feeling so thankful for this man that he had given me. I was scared to death. I, I forgot to go to the bathroom before the ceremony started and, and I kept thinking, don't pee yourself and don't lock your knees and keep breathing. And then all of a sudden I looked up and there she was. She took my breath away. Our honeymoon was amazing. I mean, we went to a tropical island and it was just a whole week of relaxing and we got to walk on the beach a lot and just spend time together. We were just so in love. And, and then, then we, we went, went home. home. Once we got home, it was like something strange started to happen. I mean, it was like aliens came into our bedroom, scooped out his brain and filled it with gummy bears. Oh, honey, are those your dirty dishes in the sink? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, you know we have a dishwasher, right? Oh, what? Uh, yeah, yeah, and you're really good at it too, sweetheart. Um, could you not interrupt me when I'm watching TV? Or at least wait till a commercial. You see what I mean? Gummy bears. After the honeymoon, I had a sneaking suspicion that she was sneaking out at night and taking night classes at some college on some foreign language because everything she said made zero sense. Do you like this shirt on me? Yeah, looks good. So you don't like the color? What? If you don't like the color, just say you don't like the color. I mean, I don't even know why I try to look nice for you. <laughs> Wait, what just happened here? Why don't you think I'm pretty? Why? Well, hold on, I do think you're pretty. Well, you never say it. I'm sorry, I think you're pretty. Well, you can't say it now. I just told you to say it. I mean, what? that totally doesn't even count. But wait, how am I supposed to know what I'm supposed to say unless you tell me what I'm supposed to say? I can't believe you don't love me anymore. I wonder some days what I ever saw in him. Did you know in the mornings when she wakes up, her breath will melt your face off? He farts and then holds my head under the covers. That's not okay. Honestly, I'm a little scared because I think I might have married my mother. I thought we were supposed to be on the same team. Uh, I'm still on the same team. Apparently you defected, started playing for some other team that you made up in your mind. That doesn't even make any sense. Well, you don't make any sense. Well, your gummy bears don't make any sense. <laughs> you're stupid. Well, you're stupid. Well, you made me this way. Gah! I'm sorry. I'm sorry, too. The purpose of marriage isn't to make us happy. It's to make us holy. Because we become more like him. I promise to love, honor, and respect you as you become more like him. And I promise to love, cherish, and protect you as you grow to become more like him. Like him. Just like him. It's not going to be easy. No, it's not going to be easy. But it is good. And anything that good is always worth fighting for. Father, would you help us to resemble Jesus in our relationships? And uh, would you help us to fight for what's good? We thank you. Thank you for the union we have with one another in the picture that is of our union with Christ. May we represent him well. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you.